What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins has dropped the third and final police terror case against the San Francisco Police Department, this time in the case of the murder of Sean Moore by Officer Kenneth Cha. And there's a bunch of interesting circumstances around this case. Well, there's interesting circumstances surrounding her term as DA, period, but I digress. Joining us to discuss are Latif Gray, a former assistant district attorney in San Francisco who worked there while Chesa Boudin led the DA's office. Latif Gray was the head of the unit that investigated police shootings, the unit that brought the charges against SFPD. Officer Kenneth Cha in the shooting death of Sean Moore. Good morning, Latif. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We're also joined by Joe Ravano Barros, a senior editor at Mission Local, who's been covering the twists and turns of this case. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Thanks for coming on the show, Latif. I want to start with you. For my listeners who may not be aware, although we've covered the case pretty extensively on LD, please walk us through the Sean Moore case. What happened? Well, it's a case that's captured completely on video. Um, you have officers showing up to Sean Moore's home to investigate allegations that maybe he's violating a restraining order. Um, he quickly dispels that myth and lets them know that he's not violating the restraining order. Um, instead of the cops leaving um, once they've uh, confirmed or dispelled uh, the reasonable suspicion while they're there, they return and end up shooting an unarmed black man on his front porch. They, uh, Kiddos Chas shot him twice. Now, Sean Moore did not die immediately of his wounds, which becomes important to the rest of this conversation, correct? He didn't die immediately of his wounds. He was hospitalized. He died sometime later in San Quentin State Prison as a result of injuries he sustained uh, from the shooting. And I think also important to note at the top of our conversation is that several judges, not just one, ruled that the cops were trespassing uh, when they were on Sean Moore's property, right, and therefore not justified in the shooting. Right. The, the courts have ruled that these officers were trespassing at the time they used force because at the time they used force, they had no reason to be there. They had already investigated the alleged uh, restraining order violation and determined that there was no restraining order violation. And at that point, they should have left. Instead, Mr. Moore essentially failed the attitude test. And these officers, we see them, instead of de-escalating, we see them escalating the situation. And ultimately, Sean Moore, who was unarmed, is shot. Latif, Jenkins' office says part of the reason for the drop of the case was in, quote-unquote, ethical breach, a breach she blames on you. What does she mean, and what is your response? She's full of it. Um, <laughs> I was walked out from the case. I didn't make any decisions related to the criminal case, didn't talk to the attorneys who were investigating the criminal case, didn't give any directions on how they should do anything. So it's just another excuse for them to play politics and, and operate in, in a sphere of cowardice. Right. And we're, we're going to get in, into some of that in a minute, too. Now, you had had uh, some engagement with Sean Moore, which is, is where she's sort of pulling this from. What was the previous engagement that I believe was six years uh, before the shooting case happened? No, no, no. I represented oh. Sean Moore on a civil case. Okay. I filed the lawsuit on his behalf. So um, I was with him and his family from the very beginning of this incident. 
got to know his family pretty well, got to know him pretty well, um, understood that he's a San Francisco native. His father was a retired bus driver. His mother was a retired San Francisco General Hospital nurse. He went to school all throughout San Francisco, graduated from Archbishop Reardon High School, where he was a standout athlete in uh, baseball and basketball. From Archbishop Reardon, he went to Skyline College, where he also played sports. Uh, from Skyline College, he went to San Francisco State, where at some point he had a mental break. So I represented the family on the civil lawsuit, and that was the reason I was walled off from the criminal investigation. Latif, I want to take a minute and just thank you for humanizing Sean Moore, right, because he is so much more um, than this tragedy. Joe, you interviewed former ADAs from the Boudin administration. What did they tell you about Latif's involvement? Yeah, I mean, they echoed what Latif is saying now, which is that he was substantively walled off from the case, that he had given explicit instructions not to involve himself in the case and not for them to involve him in the case. Um, they said that it was possible that he was CC'd on some emails. That that if so, they were they were purely administrative. Um, you know, moving invoices for expert witnesses and scheduling things and of that nature. As we've watched uh, Brooke Jenkins drop, you know, case after case, uh, all all three of the cases that were brought by the Boudin administration, one of the things that Jenkins has said is that the prior administration, that of Boudin, failed to garner the appropriate amount of evidence. Now, I I can tell you as someone who engaged in what I call principled struggle with Chessa about how long it took him to bring the first charge against a cop, that my perception is that your office, Latif, was determined to be painstaking about the collection of evidence that was tantamount to the investigations before charges were brought. Is my perception or understanding incorrect? Can you talk about the process uh, that a DA's office has to go to, to to get a case to a place where you can bring charges against a cop? Yeah, so we were conscientious in our investigation. Um, it's not like we just leapt out there and, and filed charges in every case. Uh, people have complained about the amount of cases we did file, but the, the fact is, is that the majority of the cases we investigated resulted in officers being cleared. So we, we, we tried to leave no stone unturned. We tried to interview witnesses. We tried to gather as much evidence as we could before we made a decision because we understood that either way, whether we filed charges or not, we'd be scrutinized uh, at a different level than prosecutors who prosecute normal you know, DUIs and run-the-mill crimes involving everyday citizens. So we were conscientious in our approach and we were painstaking in our approach to make sure that when we did file charges, we felt we had enough evidence to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. And when we didn't file charges, it was because we felt we didn't have enough evidence to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. So from where you're sitting now, what is the real reason that Jenkins has dropped all three of these cases? Politics and cowardice politics and that she wants to be anti-Boudin in every way she can and cowardice because it takes a special type of prosecutor and a person cut from a special type of cloth to be willing to prosecute cops because it's not the most popular job description as you can see but it's something that needs to be done because everybody needs to be held accountable no matter what your position in life. Also interesting here, and, and Joe, you can you can weigh in. The dismissal came right just one day after the DA's office was in court, saying the case would continue. Is that correct? 
That's right. I mean, that was the most shocking thing, or at least the most hurtful thing to uh, Sean Moore's family, which is, you know, I spoke to Kenneth Blackman over the weekend afterwards, and he said he got a call from a prosecutor the very next day, the same prosecutor who had stood in court and said that they would continue to bring charges in this case and scheduled the most significant advance in the case in many months after months of delays, um, telling him that they would no longer proceed and that they would drop the charges. And I spoke to several legal experts that said that that was beyond the pale and that that was just, just not how you're supposed to act in court. And one retired judge in particular said that if she were the judge in that courtroom, she would have strong words for the prosecutor whenever they returned. Now, Latif, how long does it take to prepare a dismissal? Like, that's, is that something that could happen overnight? Or did that ADA know as they were standing in court saying that the Sean Moore case would continue that a dismissal was pending? Uh, she knew the dismissal was pending. I think she wrote a 35-page motion, which was filed the next day. That's not something you put together uh, in an hour. That's not something you put together in a couple hours. That's something that, they, that she had been working on. But here's the reality. If you want to dismiss the case as a DA, you can just walk into court and dismiss it. You don't have to file a formal motion. You can just walk in and say, look, we're moving to dismiss the case because we don't think we can meet our burden of proof. They filed this 35-page motion because this was politics, and they're looking for any justification they can not to prosecute these cases. So what better way to do it than to file a 35-page motion, which probably at worst the paper is written on, but it looks good to, I guess, certain folks. Latif, from where you sit, what is being communicated to the San Francisco Police Department and their association? I don't call it a union because cops aren't labor. Uh, but in terms of what they can get away with, as long as Jenkins is the district attorney? That they can get away with shooting and killing unarmed black men on their front steps with impunity. That, that's the message that's being sent. The message is, is that we won't prosecute you police officers for doing this. We have a unit designed to investigate these types of situations, but the unit is, is just a unit in name only and not in function because if you do something that's worthy of being prosecuted, we won't prosecute you for political reasons or whatever reasons. All right. I want to talk about some of the ethical issues with Jenkins and the folks in her office. Um, let's let's start with, with something that came came out, you know, um, early on in uh, in the the election uh, process, which was, and Joe, I'm turning this to you, that she claimed, to, Jenkins claimed to be a volunteer on the recall Boudin campaign. But what does the paper trail say about her actual role there? Um, well, that she was paid by a nonprofit that uh, was basically the mirror of the 501c3 and 501c4 of the same nonprofit that was heavily involved in the campaign itself. Um, I, I think I didn't do the reporting on this, but I believe she claimed to be writing a report for them and that when the reporter asked for that report, it was never brought forward. Um, and she was given a six figure salary there. So more than one hundred thousand dollars. And then moving on with more ethical concerns. Um, and I know that that uh, Eleni, excuse me, from your team wrote this story, but she also prosecuted Sean Moore before dropping the charges against Kenneth Chaz. That's correct. That's right. So, you know, Sean Moore had an initial case stemming from the shooting itself where D.A. Gascon's office um, attempted to land him with assault on officer charges. And that was dismissed pretty readily after a while, although the D.A.'s office continued to try. 
um, because, as Latif said, several judges had ruled that the cops were acting unlawfully when they remained on his front steps after he had asked them dozens of times to leave. But several months later, on a slightly unrelated charge, um, D.A. Jenkins was part of a, a team of prosecutors at the D.A.'s office that then charged Sean Moore for assault and then making criminal threats to the same police station where Officer Kenneth Chaw and kind of Colin Patino, the two officers who responded that day, were stationed. Latif, walk us through why this is problematic. Why? What is problematic? The, the fact that D.A. Jenkins was a prosecutor of Mr. Moore previously? Yes. Well, it, it's problematic because it shows that she has some bias towards this individual who's a victim. And victims are, we're supposed to look at them as not based on color, not based on whether we like them or not, but based on what happened to them. And the fact that she had some previous dealings where she was trying to send Sean to prison, it's, I don't know whether it's an, it's an ethical breach, but I know she probably shouldn't have uh, been involved with making a decision on this case. And Joe, what did the legal experts you speak to say uh, about this? Yeah, so this was my colleague Eleni's story, but she heard the experts said that, you know, it might not technically break any professional ethics rules, but it certainly didn't look good. And that in a high profile case like this, and especially if you're the district attorney of a major city like San Francisco, you should probably wall yourself off from the kinds of decision making uh, where you were previously a party to the prosecution. All right, and there is more. Let's talk about Margaret Buterago. Who is she and what is her relationship to this case, Joe? Yeah, so she's also a former prosecutor at the DA's office. Um, she initially charged Sean Moore in that first case with assault on officer, and she was the one that public defenders told me kept pushing to charge more and filed appeals and continued to try to charge more which probably Gascon's office would have done anyway, but regardless. And then she continued to prosecute. She filed the second case as well. She was the prosecutor there in that legal team. And during the, during the case, during the initial case, she met and then started dating Officer Colin Patino, who is one of the officers who responded to Sean Moore's house, not the officer who ultimately shot him, but the officer who actually initiates that encounter by swinging his baton a couple times at Sean Moore. Sean Moore reacts to that, and then Officer Kenneth Cha shoots him twice. How long did her relationship with Officer Patino go on, and did Sean Moore's defense team ever know? It is ongoing, as far as we know. There are no divorce proceedings, or divorce records, rather. Um, They are married and have a child. Uh, They got married some years later. And no, uh, I spoke to Sean Moore's various public defenders. Uh, They did not know about the relationship. And at least one of them told me that it would have led him to ask for her recusal from the case. Now, that wasn't illegal at the time, correct? It it was just not appropriate. Is that is that right? That's right. Um, It seems that there were some professional ethics rules updates in 2018 and then the timeline and even then it's unclear that it would be illegal afterwards as long as as officer patino was not on the witness stand which legal experts said you know certainly looks bad that it might not technically breach any rules 
Latif, your reaction uh, to to, the, to this revelation? Disgusted. Um, this is disgusting. This should have been disclosed. She should have accused herself. Um, she's dating and married to someone who, at that point, was under investigation and also who was a defendant in a federal civil rights lawsuit. So they had a financial interest in seeing that the federal civil rights lawsuit going away, go away, given that they're married. So I'm just disgusted. Um, it turns my stomach. These people talk about ethical breaches and <laughs> they have ethical breaches staring them right in the face and they just turn a blind eye to it. So my first response would be disgusted and sickened to my stomach. What legal recourse, uh, Latif, exists for Sean Moore's family now? I don't know that there is any legal recourse. They've already filed a federal civil rights lawsuit, which has been resolved. They can't force the DA to prosecute a case that the DA doesn't want to prosecute. They can't force the attorney general to prosecute a case that the attorney general doesn't want to prosecute. So I don't know that they do have any legal recourse other than protesting and exercising their First Amendment rights, which they've been doing quite well thus far. Right. Joe talked about that he, he, he'd spoken to the family. Have you spoken to the family since the dismissal? I have not. Um, prior to me joining the district attorney's office, I had a very close relationship with the family, meaning I would communicate with the mother. I would communicate with his brother, Kenneth, like you said, but since I joined the DA's office, since I understood that how it would be perceived from an outsider's perspective, I kind of distanced myself from the family. But now that the case is over with, I'll probably give him a call and check in with him because from what I understand, his mother is not in the best of health. He lost his father during this process, meaning when he was shot, his father was living. His father died, I believe, while he was in prison. So... Uh, I'll check in with the family at some point, but I haven't done it thus far. All right. And Joe, final question for you. Anything about the twists and turns that Mission Local has been covering that we did not touch on this morning that listeners should know about? Um, no, I mean, the, the biggest thing is that is the third and final San Francisco police shooting case brought by Jenkins' predecessor, Boudin, that has now been dismissed. And at least legal experts told me that it was the strongest of the three. And that they believe that a lot of them believe that all, all of them should have been brought to a jury and should, the decision should have been in the jury's hands, that they were particularly surprised about this one because, as Latif said, this is all on video and it involves unlawful trespass by two officers and then self-defense claims by Sean Moore once he's initially struck. So it's, it's certainly, you know, the last of the three and they, they thought there was a pattern there. And probably the last that we will see as long as Brooke Jenkins is the district attorney of San Francisco. I want to thank you both for coming on the show this morning. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. 
Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.